Oh, Bill, do you have a joke? I do not have a joke. Gary, do you have a joke? No, I'm afraid not. Only that uh, Spock's third final front ear joke, which <laughs> I, I don't think we need to do that one. <laughs> Alrighty, welcome to the Final Frontier, the jokeless podcast, uh, all about Star Trek fan films and fan creations. I am Bill Allen, aka the guy in the red shirt. Joining me is our co-host Adam Mullen. Hello. And our special guest, who's uh, doing some very interesting things. We have Gary O'Brien. Hello. Well, uh, let's just uh, let's get right into this. Uh, our weekly roundup of news. There's been some big news on Discovery. Bill, have you heard? Yes, yes. They're uh, booting a couple of the showrunners and doing a staff rearrangement again. Yeah. So it looks like Alex uh, Kurtzman is going to be. Uh, Elevated to uh, the main showrunner. That worries me a little bit. <laughs> Is it because of his work on the newest movies? Uh, yes, but not for the reason you think. Um, I, I don't have a problem with the new movies. I like the new movies. Wasn't too keen on them doing con, but I still enjoyed the new movies. Yeah. Um, what what bugs me is. Um, and even though it was uh, it was an interesting way to go with it, and it was loosely, vaguely based on a handful of scenes from the original series, he did the whole Kirk Spock th- or uh, Spock Uhura thing to shake things up a bit. And he did base that on a couple of uh, partial scenes that kind of sort of showed the two of them flirting mm-hmm. back in TOS. And basically, he did that because Kurtzman is a trekker and he's the kind of trekker that says there's a difference between trekker and trekkie and he says trekker is the right term so that tells you the kind of star trek fan he is so (laughs) he's gonna get minutiae right but he's gonna do it wrong because right is his way of right and not you know the actual right um so it's still going to be Star Trek, but I think he's going to be paying attention to the wrong details of Star Trek. Mm. But he's he's just show running. He's not like writing every episode and, and steering the entire storyline. So I'm not too concerned. It's just, you know, those stinking Trekkers, man. Yeah. Gary, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting that they seem to be having so much trouble. It's like early TNG all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super up to speed with all the ins and outs of it, I must say, but I know the first season was had a difficult start, and it got massively delayed, didn't it, by like a year or something. Yeah. Um, and now this as well. I mean, they're already shooting second season, right? Is that yep. correct? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, 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 I'd have more confidence if this had happened when they were on a break, but the fact that they're actually in the full swing of it right now and this happens raises even more alarm bells but you know because you know what what i heard a lot during um the first season was don't worry it's they had a lot of behind the scenes stuff they had to deal with and the second season will be better but now i you know i wonder if they're just going to have that excuse as it were again you know oh we've had more troubles so the third season 
will yeah. be better. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm optimistic. I, I, I want to like it. So mm-hmm. far, I, I'm, I'm yet to be persuaded fully. I haven't welcomed it into the fold with all the <laughs> other shows yet. But I'd like to, but I won't just do it because it's got Star Trek written on it. I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see how it yeah. pans out, I think. All right. Well, shall we move on to uh, the question of the week? Yeah. All right. So this is my trivia question. Uh, okay. This one actually was submitted by Steve Atwell. And uh, so his question is, which member of the Voyager crew was sponsored into the Academy by Captain Sulu? Was it Janeway, Tuvok, Torres, or Chakotay? Uh, so you don't need to answer now. We'll come back to it okay. later, but just, you know, I'll be thinking about it. Alrighty. All right. So shall we get into the interview? Yeah. Okay. Bill, do you want to start us out or do you want me? Go for it. All right, Gary. Question one. How did you first mm-hmm. get into Star Trek? Okay. Um, I think I think I just saw it on the TV, you know. Um, I think I must have just called it by chance. I have a vague recollection of my dad. I think the original series was on the TV and I was probably, I don't know, six or seven. And I don't know which episode it was now, but my dad said there's a really good one of these and he basically described the doomsday machine he didn't know that was the name of it but he said oh there's a really good one and sort of briefly explained it and i think him having enthusiasm for it um i mean he's not a big star trek fan he just had seen a few of them and he remembered that one um but the fact that he kind of endorsed it uh and i kind of liked liked what i was seeing i think it was just a uh, you know, when you're a kid, you're so malleable. And I think that was pretty much all it took mm-hmm. to at least get me to pay attention to it. And then I just grew into it more and more as I got older. So then what, what's your uh, your favorite series? Um, I guess, I mean, I, I do like all of them. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's a little bit like James Bond, isn't it? I think like you bond, you <laughs> bond with the one when you're at that right malleable age. So... Mm-hmm. I guess it it probably comes down to TNG, um, you know, just if, if for nothing else and for that reason that you know that was the one I kind of really latched onto yeah. with full vigor at the at the exact right age when I was I don't know ten to fourteen or something. Um, and I like all the the others as well as I say, but but yeah, uh, I, I guess gun to my head, it's TNG. Uh, which season <laughs> is your favorite? Ah, uh, see, I, I wouldn't. I haven't broken it down and actually figured that out, but intuitively, I'd say it's probably like around season five and six, yeah. I guess. That would be a, a rough guess. Do you have a particular episode that you like the most? Ah, oh, man. Well, <laughs> there's obviously, there's the big classic ones that, you know, are on the top of everybody's list, I, yeah. I'm sure. Um, so, I, I, you know, they're there for sure. Um, but I... You know, th- there's the ones where you think, well, in some ways, this is just a good episode and that you could show it to some somebody who's not interested in Star Trek. And it's it's got good story and character and all that. But then there's other times when you just want to you don't care what some other outsider would think. So something like Timescape, it's not mm-hmm. going to you know win any awards for character development or anything, but it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and as a fan, you can say, well, I like this. I, I wouldn't recommend this one to somebody to just watch cold um, it's not the best, but yeah. I don't know. It's it's cool seeing those the next gen guys on a runabout. It's cool seeing the back of the runabout. It's a great 
it's a, it's a goofy thing, but it's great seeing everybody frozen and, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just cool, you know, um, mm-hmm. so that, you know, but any of them, all these episodes are good. I mean, even the bad ones, the thing is I find when you rewatch them, um, you tend to not always rewatch the ones that you kind of mark out as not as good, but then eventually you do watch them and, and you're like, actually, I forgot you got to see, I don't know, that cool, that place in the ship we never see hardly ever. That, that's the episode that's from. And, you know, and you think, actually, the, even the bad ones, the quote bad ones have, have value. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're all good, man. Yeah, I found that more true with TNG than uh, DS9. DS9 is the one I rewatch where occasionally I, I tend to skip episodes where I'm just like, you know, this one, yeah. Right, right. But TNG, you go back and it's like, Sometimes it's, I don't remember this, and then you're halfway through it, oh yeah, now I remember why I don't remember it. But hey, you know, it's still cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have a uh, favorite film? Um, I, I guess I do, and, and it might be just, um, well, I, there's two that I really like, and I'll just say them, it's uh, Undiscovered Country and Generations. And I know Generations is often a little bit... Uh, uh, it's not often cited as a fan favorite, but yeah. I, I must admit, probably part of it is again, I was just it, it, I bonded with that film. It just hit, came out right when I was at the right age, yeah. and so I think there's a little bit of of bias in there, just because you know it was the first one I properly saw at the cinema and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, so yeah, but also the undiscovered country. I mean, I mean, in many ways, that's not you know particularly. It's quite. It's not particularly Star Trek, is it? I mean, lots of people have commented how it's quite dark and it's more of an mm-hmm. espionage movie and it's quite political and not the things you normally associate with you know typical star trek you know uh subject matter but i just think nick mayer did such a i don't know it just stands out he did such a good job all around mm-hmm. i just that film feels really real whereas the other ones you, i don't know you take search for spock or something it, it's always got that slightly sort of lit 80s soundstage <laughs> yeah like like superman or something you know it doesn't it just doesn't quite have that same feeling but the undiscovered country i think is just such a good film i think that guy certainly i mean i don't know how much he's involved with discovery nick mayer now really but certainly in terms of his movies you know the star trek ones he really knows what he's doing so mm-hmm. yeah he's 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 great and so you can't help but like both his films and star trek oracles which we you know we know he was had a big hand in so mm-hmm. So yeah, it's my rambling answer to that question for you. Uh, what do you think <laughs> about the uh, the three newest films? Um, I I don't hate them, but I don't really. They're okay. I mean, I I, I see them more as they're they're serving a function. I think in that they're just they're. I guess I'd say that they're they're there to make money and hopefully keep the franchise relevant. Yeah. Um. And I don't really feel that they. I don't think they slot in neatly with with all the existing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't go out of my way to watch them. I don't own any of those. I think I own everything else on some sort of physical format, but I don't own the Abrams movies. And it's not because I hate them. It's just that I've I've got no desire to to go and buy them particularly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, of of the three, which do you like the best? Um. I would guess I would say probably the third one, uh, Beyond. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I think Into Darkness, I just, I just <laughs> think it just really missed the mark on in yeah. lots of ways. Personally, I think, and and the first one, I mean, in fairness, I haven't seen the, the first one for quite a while, so I might be misremembering it. But I, I just thought, well, I remember at the cinema thinking in the first five minutes, thinking, this is this is so cool. This is, I was so amazed and blown away, and thinking, mm-hmm. I didn't expect this could be this good. And then it just kind of kind of lost me if it had stayed how it was in those first five minutes up until the you know the teaser ends um but then it just kind of went downhill um for me not to the point where you know it's awful i just yeah i'm not i'm not so fussed by it i mean it i'm kind of glad that they sort of insulated them within the canon from the prime timeline yeah um I'm, i'm glad they did that i don't know really what their thoughts on doing that were what their motivations were but certainly i'm glad that i don't have to try and accept that this is definitely occurring in the same timeline mm-hmm. and i think the fact that they they did that uh allows me a little more grace i think i'd be more hostile towards them if they were supposedly just you know the academy days we never saw and you know yeah. that that would bug me but yeah yeah i i think it, it definitely gave them <clears throat> like a creative freedom to do what they wanted, but at the same time, they didn't really do that, and they kind of went with what what had already happened with you know into darkness with Khan, and that was kind of a letdown. It's like really you you you've you've created a new timeline, you can do anything you want, and you just kind of rehash what we've already seen, and it's not yeah. as good as the original. It can't be as good as the original. Uh, so for me, that that's that's kind of a letdown. Even though I I still extremely enjoy those three films. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, just thinking about what I said a moment ago, I guess the only slight way they didn't insulate themselves was that they had. We do know a bit about the prime timeline, don't we? From the first one in that Spock was messing around with that red matter and stuff, yeah. um, which actually now that I've remembered that it is kind of annoying. <laughs> I <didn't laughs> like um, but it's almost like, yeah, I'm sure that can be if we go back to the prime timeline, I'm sure that can be, I don't know, written around somehow. I just I, I just I thought that that what was it called the jellyfish wasn't it that yeah. ship spot was in yeah. I just thought that just looked I, I'm not a big Star Wars guy I've, I've seen them but I'm not a big fan of it really um, it just doesn't gel with me but I looked at it and I thought that just looks like a, a Star Star Wars ship <laughs> it just didn't look like anything from Star Trek at all yeah and and it made this weird little sort of stupid noise as it whizzed around yeah. like the Jetsons or something, and I just thought, what and why would Spock <laughs> he's like a, an an aged very well regarded diplomat and ambassador why would he be the one flying this like weird test vehicle thing around that yeah. sounds like the Jetsons and I just ugh, the fact that that's i guess am I remembering right that's the prime timeline as well yeah. right yep. In theory. yeah yeah yeah, see, I wish I hadn't thought about it this hard I, I kind of <laughs> well, so to make you like really go crazy about it in the comics yeah. it's established that Jordy is the one that built the jellyfish oh jeez actually i think i read that comic a friend bought it for me yeah um, what's it called countdown. is it countdown yeah yeah i think is that the one where data's in captaining yes yes yeah i did see that um jeez i'd forgotten that yeah i <laughs> that's the other thing I, I hate it when in any franchise when they try and tie up every every little thing you've ever heard of they explain it it's just you know just invent a new thing mm-hmm. um it kind of bugs me when you know when they feel that they need to just stitch up every little thing you've ever heard mentioned and you know so of course it's geordie that made that thing i mean 
Uh, but actually, I mean, in fairness, there's a lot of people out there that do like those films. And, you know, as I started off by saying, you know, they are, I just want to be negative about them, that they, they are yeah. kind of entertaining. And a lot of my friends who aren't Trekkies particularly, they go, what? They're great. They're really fun. I enjoyed it. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess that's what they're really there for, isn't it? So yeah. my uh, my personal headcanon for all of that with the, the little stingray ship and the little squid ship, whatever it is, and. Well, why it was Spock is Spock misses Kirk, so sometimes he has to go and do a Kirk thing. And the reason the ship looks so weird and the reason the red matter seems to have been invented out of nowhere is it was all a conspiracy by time-traveling people from the temporal Cold War to kill Spock. Okay, well, that makes as much sense as anything else, so yeah, why not? Because, I mean, it, it, it starts with a time travel caper, and I was pretty convinced that eventually they're going to wrap up the, the JJ timeline with another time travel caper to try to uh, put things right and reset the timeline, so it's going to end up being a temporal Cold War thing, because they're going to try to tie it to Enterprise, mm, and it's, I wonder. it was all a plot to kill Spock. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll find out. I mean, I, I wonder if they if they'll do that or whether it will just sort of wither on the vine and never actually finish. Like, you know, it will just they won't make another one yeah, at yeah. some point, and it'll be oh, okay. Who knows? I, I'd like to think they have some grand little scheme, even if they don't have it in their head right now, that that they'll get to one and sort of tie it and neat bow around it all. Um, we'll yeah. see. It'd be cool if they did. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, somebody was saying that there's a weird kind of parallel between the new films and the old films, you know. Mm-hmm. The first new film, they're fighting uh, a massive fleet that's way more advanced than anything, and only the Enterprise is in a position to stop it, right. which is just like Enterprise versus uh, V'ger. Yeah. And then the second film was Khan, which was mm-hmm. just like Wrath of Khan. And then the third film has them on this rocky, barren, destroyed alien planet, which is just like what they were on the Genesis planet. Mm. Only instead of trying to bring Spock back to life, they're trying to bring their mojo as a crew back to life. Right. So the fourth one was about time travel. The Voyage Home was time travel. So Mm. the fourth J.J. movie is going to be... I don't know if that is just a coincidence and somebody's reading too much into it, but you never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, we'll have space yep. whales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on. Let's get into fan film stuff. So, Gary, yeah. do you have a favorite fan film? Um, besides your I own, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess I'd just say um, Star Trek continues, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to be more specific, I would say, uh, I, 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 was it called What Ships Are For? The one with John Delancey in. Um. Let's they see. had like they went to the planet. Yeah, I know what you're talking it was the about. Black and white. Uh, I can't remember quite. I think it's. I think I'm right, but I'm, I'm looking not, it up I really quick here. Yeah, what uh, ships Google. are for? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think that from what I remember, I mean, I must admit, I've watched them as they came out. So the, the earlier ones I haven't seen for a while, but um, but that one, I, I I really enjoyed. I thought it was just it, it worked on lots of levels, and um, I thought the device of the black and white thing was very clever and very apt i could see them doing that in the 60s you know it it was very much of its time i mean i think they wouldn't have actually done that in the 60s because they were trying to sell color tvs yeah but (laughs) i think so but that aside i think that that premise and that that kind of device is is very much a 60s kind of Mm. thing 
and uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I thought they did a really good job with that one. I mean, all of them are great, you know, you, mm-hmm. unparalleled, really, I think. But um, that one in particular, I think, probably stands out as a favourite. Um, yeah, it was cool. And actually, um, I was I was a little bit annoyed actually when I first saw it because I was getting ready to develop with uh, my writing friend Paul um, our, what was to be our second Star Trek film, and we'd already done a fair bit of work on a script and well, not a script, but a story outline anyway at that point. And then we, I watched that, and I was, it was, I mean, it wasn't the same story, but there was lots of very similar elements to it. And I was like, oh, geez, we've spent eight, we can't do this now. I, I, I emailed him, I sent him the link. I said, dude, watch this. I don't think we can do it. And he came back and he's like, yeah, we've got two choices. Just plow one and say, let's do our one and we'll just tell people we'd, we'd thought of it already. Mm-hmm. or just change it all so we decided to change it all um oh, and i can't remember what all the ins and outs of that were now it's long forgotten but at the time it was a bit crushing and they'd done such a good job of it it was like damn you and your good story <laughs> <laughs> so what made you want to get into fan films um well nothing actually um i would just i've i've always sort of made films um and my friend Paul and I, we've made a sort of a bunch over the years. Um, and we hadn't done sci-fi or Star Trek or anything like that. We'd just done, well, they were all sorts of different things. We'd done a World War II one and sort of contemporary ones and sort of very light horror existential crisis kind of things. Well, all sorts of different little, you know, silly short films. Um, and, um, and we were gearing up to do another one just because, you know, we, we enjoyed doing it all every year or two and we were struggling to come up with um well we weren't struggling to come up with an idea but we were just at the stage where we're trying to think well what should we do this next film of ours about could be anything Mm -hmm. and i'd had this idea about i just like the idea of pairing an, an old man with a young woman um but not having anything sinister uh because i think even as i say that sentence just then you say i'm going to pair an old man with a young woman and instantly it just sounds like there's going to be trouble of some kind. Something uh-huh. horrible is going to happen somewhere in, of some type. Um, but I just wanted to show that, no, you know, that's that's like a cinematic device that, or storytelling device that we see probably all too often. And I just wanted to flip it and show, no, no, you can have a you can actually have a, a nice old guy. Um, and and that was all the thought was, really. And then from that point, we started to develop ideas. And Paul really came up with a few um, and then he put a kind of pseudo sci-fi twist into one of these ideas around that framework. Mm. Um, and, and then I kind of, a little light went on in my head and I thought, well, this, this could sort of work as a Star Trek film, maybe, you know, cause I'm a, obviously I'm a big Star Trek fan and, but I'd never really had the thought to, to make a Star Trek film. It just mm-hmm. hadn't really occurred to me. Um, so I said to Paul, dude, you know, what do you think? Would you be up for making this a Star Trek thing? And I really didn't know if he'd want to do that or not because he's he likes Star Trek, but he's not a big fan of it particularly. Um, but he said, "Yeah, cool, let's do it." So I said, "Okay," and so it became a Star Trek film. Wow. Um, yeah, but there was no real sort of I I've got this pressing desire to make a Star Trek fan film. It just kind of came about like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So there we go. Wow. Well, so- I just want to say it was a fantastic film, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh well, thank you. Um, a lot of a lot of times, and, and this is not to be rude to fan films because there's a lot of great fan films out there, but a lot of the fan films kind of want to tell you the story, 
you wanted to show us the people. There, there was a lot more like character to your films than what's normally mm. on display. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that I think you're right. Yeah, um, and you know, some of that was born out of. Um, I mean, firstly, I, I'd qualify it and I'd say that it, this second one, which I, I guess we can talk about in, in, in a little bit, but um, I think some people who might have seen Chance Encounter, I, I understand if people look at it and go, well, it is, it's almost not Star Trek y enough in terms of what you see on screen and, and so on. And, and I think that's probably, if, if someone were to make that those comments, I would kind of agree. Um, mm. We kind of stumbled into making a Star Trek film and and we really put a Star Trek skin on an existing idea. And I, I hope I hope we did that well. I think people generally seem to appreciate the film. Um, but with this new one we're going to do, we, we really want to say, OK, this is Star Trek from the ground up. It's going to be a much more like, a, oh, wow, this this feels like a like a, a real episode. Um, you know, a, a far more quintessential Star Trek story, whereas Chance Encounter is, is broadly a, a love story in a Star Trek uniform kind of thing um, see and that's and that's i mean i'm i was always more of a uh, original series kind of guy over next generation mm. and that's um that's the thing it's like even though it was a, a tng era film um you captured the heart of star trek you know it's like it might not have been a star trek story but it was a story with a star trek heart mm-hmm. yeah no thank you the, no the, that's the, it the That's spirit of the movie, the characters, the, the the general story itself about a dude traveling back in time to make sure his relationship stays on the right. That that's Star Trek through and through. I mean, if it was a modern day Star Trek movie, uh, he'd be traveling back in time to murder his <laughs> murder his wife's current boyfriend so that young him can start dating wife. But you know, <laughs> and he'd be a villain, quote unquote. But I mean. No, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you'd see in some of the better character-driven, character-focused stories in original series and Next Generation. Yeah, no, thank you. And it, there's a kind of weird kind of um, irony in it, in, in a way, because, uh, as you just said, it, in, in, in that sense, it's very much like quintessentially Star Trek, and people have been very gracious generally in the comments on YouTube under it and saying well this really captured the, the feel of star trek which is great you know that's exactly what i hope to do um but at the same time people you know when when i was making it people would say oh you're making a star trek film you've got a load of phases in it have you nope got warp drive nope oh a load <laughs> of aliens nope you know you got transporters nope you know it's kind of like we were missing like all the you know all that you'd think are the sort of ingredients you needed they're like all absent and yet yeah and yet, you know, you can make the comment that you just made and say that it was bang on Star Trek. So it's it's kind of weird. I think it says that, you know, we we got the aesthetics and the tone of it just right, I hope, even though we didn't you know, put all the obvious kind of things in it that you would yeah. sort of assume Absolutely. would have to be in a Star Trek film. Um, and also, I mean, part of it was thinking about, you know, you look at the classic you know, we didn't even mention them earlier when you asked about favorite episodes because you know we, we know the list so well, like the Inner Light, uh, the Visitor, City mm-hmm. on the Edge of Forever. Um, but they're all really simple stories. I mean, they don't have a lot, you know, of effects and and big high high stakes stuff. The galaxy's not in danger and there's no war starting. It's just you know a guy in a situation generally. 
Um, it's all quite quiet and quite simple. And so for me, as a, a, a filmmaker with, you know, no budget, of course I'm going to, like, gravitate towards that kind of idea rather than, okay, how do I depict fleets of starships and intergalactic diplomatic tensions and stuff? It's like, well, you're not really going to be able to pull that off as well as you can pull off one man's personal story with a woman, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, I think that was informing the choice as well, that, you know, we wanted to emulate the, the episodes that everyone says are their favorites. And it's like, oh, phew, that's a relief. They're the easiest ones to, to copy on a no budget, you know. So I think there was an element of that in there as well. Do we want to move on to uh, questions about your next film? Yeah, I was yeah. going to uh, kind of lead with that one because I did have something I wanted to uh, ask. Um, holy core. Well, um, Chance Encounter. You had those two uh, Starfleet officers in the shuttle pod who were chasing down our time-traveling mad scientist. Yeah. And even though they were sort of, I don't want to say secondary characters to make them sound less, it, it was the old man's story. But those two characters had kind of a unique uh, personality, a nice uh, kind of rapport going on there. Is Holy Core a continuation of their story, or is it completely unrelated, like no characters get reused? Uh, uh, the latter. It's going to be completely completely fresh. Um, no, None of the same actors, although we love them all. They all did a great job, and we're still, you know, there was no fallouts or anything, but we just wanted a clean break. Um and a whole new set of characters. Plus, also, I think there's that... I don't know if that would disqualify us or not, the fan film guidelines about continuing stories. I don't know if that would have potentially been an issue for it as well. But, you know, we conceived those characters for that one film. You know, they fit in perfectly into that story. Um, But that's... You know, we didn't sit down and try and come up with some characters that you could get seven seasons out of, you know. We just wrote them just to slot into slot into chance encounter and that you know hopefully they do that well but um yeah you know part of the fun of it is creating you know new characters and new new situations and stuff so um so yeah we we don't have any plans to continue with the um the same crew or cast or anything like that can i talk you into making plans to do that <laughs> If, if fire, fire a budget over and I'll, I'll, I'll knock you down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying it's like even though it was, you know, just sort of they were there to kind of give the guys somebody to exposition with or whatever. They were yeah. very yeah, well, well yeah. fleshed out yeah, well, supporting characters that could have carried uh, maybe not seven seasons, but they could have carried <laughs> an Enterprise series on their yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were originally, it's like, we need something to cut to, you know, I mean, that's the harsh reality of it. But of course, yeah. we try and do, make our scripts, we, you know, we take care over them, we hope and try and do a good job. And, you know, we said, look, we don't want these to just be people looking at sensor readings and apprehending him, you know, it's like, how can we, how can we mirror, you know, mirror the story, the broader themes within these characters. And even though you're right, they are, they are secondary characters. Um, but you know, we don't just want to be filling up screen time with secondary characters. It's like just maximum, just throw everything you've got at every character and make it hopefully feel as rich and 
and uh, like they're real people as well. And if if you get the impression that well, you know, I'd like to see them again, they were interesting. Well, then that's that's great because that's what we you know we hope to do, even with the quote secondary characters, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, since it's not about those guys, and that makes me very sad, uh, can you tell us what can you tell us about uh, Holy Cross? Holy Core. I could tell Holy you. Holy Core. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Right. Um, yeah. First, you can tell me the right title because yeah. I, I can't read. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the Holy Core. Um, okay. So do you want to know kind of like the the story kind of themes rather than where we are in reality with the production? Yeah, well, we want to know both, but let's start with, like, the general story. What can you tell us without giving too much away from the... Sure, okay. Um, well, uh, let's see how to do it without giving it away, because, yeah, I, I want to be careful, of course. Um, well, it's going to be a half-hour film, for one thing. Um, we're going to sort of maximize what the fan film guidelines allow, because mm-hmm. they hadn't come out. Well, I think they came out while we were fundraising for the chance encounter so we kind of just dodged them but so it's half an hour but in terms of um the story and stuff it's it it really kind of i mean hopefully there's not just like one story it's more like a set of themes i suppose um and so those themes would be religion and science which are obviously a a sort of classic pairing we've heard them mentioned in the same sentence often i think you know Mm -hmm. and and it's with a verses in in the middle um but we're not we're not trying to do that. We're not sort of having a religion versus science debate. Um, we just want to show how some aliens have a different take on science, um, and that they. We figured it was you know, for, for, for us, for humans or whatever. We, we kind of tend to see um, religion and science on a sort of spectrum, and they're at opposite ends. Um, whereas we thought it'd be interesting to see some aliens who don't, who that concept is alien to them. Hmm. You know, we sort of make an assumption that they have to be separate things. Um, but, but I was like, well, why do they have to be? And it would be so, so there's the, these aliens that don't really see it as a, as a, you know, as something where they're in conflict with one another. So we've got a kind of element of that going on, but that's not all there is to it. Um, there's also, I mean, there's, there's much more adventure in this one. Um, it's a bit more, you know, Chance Encounter, for all its merits, it was a little bit low-key and it was very dialogue-heavy. And we've got some great scenes of dialogue in this film. Um, but we also want to unleash a little bit more of the fun stuff, you know, and have a little bit of drama and adventure going on. So we've, we've got, you know, that going on in there. And we've also, we've kept a, an undercurrent of romantic love um as well between two characters who um who are sort of separate in the film um they're separated from one another in the film but they are in love um and i don't know it's it's just it's more like a list of themes there's a a list of of concepts and and themes that you can sort of say these things are all covered by this film but to get into the actual story i I think it would be um it would be a shame and it'd be like somebody telling you uh, explaining a film once they've come back from the cinema and watched one, it'd be like, mm-hmm. oh jeez this guy's just then butchering this idea, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try and give you a plot synopsis plus I'll be trying to dodge spoilers so so yeah, I'll just yeah, hang those things yeah, yeah, yeah so, um, so yeah, broadly it's religion and science um, but there's love, romantic love in there as hmm. well, and, and a lot more adventure and drama so where are you at in production for it? 
Um, okay, cool. So um, we've we've we, well, the script is locked. Um, that was locked uh, a little while ago now. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's all good to go. We're currently casting. We've got six cast members, and I think we've got three or is it four cast right now? Um, I think one's all but confirmed. Um, so so we're, we're cracking on with that. Um, I'm hoping if all goes well, I might even have uh, two more cast by the end of the weekend or, or early oh. next week. So yeah, we've made good stead in casting, and if that happens, then we've only have one more to to find. So so we, we've made good progress on that. Um, I've been a lot of I don't know if you guys have, have ever ventured into the filmmaking um, yourself, but if you have, then you'll know that a lot of it is just, especially at the early stages of it, it's just it's like really unsexy, boring paperwork. <laughs> It's like not. It's it's like the least interesting thing. It's just yeah. spreadsheets, emails, calendars, diaries, and this long list of. Oh, have I phoned that person? Have I confirmed that? Is this free on that date? Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. It's like there's ducks, there's rows. You're trying to get everything lined up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And you can't really pin that down until you know that. But you can't really pin that down until you know the first thing. And so it goes around. But it slowly coalesces and picks up momentum. And so. I think the worst of that stuff is over. We've got some some shoot dates sort of nailed up now that we're going to yeah. move move heaven and hell to to make sure we stick to. Because I don't want to keep flipping, changing these dates around. Yeah. You know, flipping, changing them. So, so yeah, we've got the shoot dates set, and so now I have to make sure that the sets are built um, and ready in time for that, and that the crew's available, and that the costumes are available, um, and the props that we'll need. So yeah, it's it's still sort of in that sort of bitty kind of almost dull logistics organizing mm-hmm. end of it but with the lights at the end of the tunnel on that phase and yes yeah, so and i've been sort of doing all these jobs at the same time as each other so hopping between you know sanding down some prop and then hopping on the diary and then hopping here down the on putting out a job description for a, a, an acting role and so yeah it's it's been i've been very busy it's like crazy hectic yeah. um and and in fact we were I, I I kind of realized I spoke with Paul um, about it and and I realized that he he was right I was sort of rushing it too much we were going to be looking to shoot way sooner than than was wise really and and I and I thought you know what we don't really have a uh, a hard fast you know release date that we have to stick to but under some contract you know so I said mm-hmm. need to go so fast um, so I slowed it right down so we're going to be shooting. Um, like our, we were 10 shoot days in total and the last one is slated for like um, end of October um, so we're going to slow down and make sure we've got just a nice breather and that we're not just rushing it mm. and it's all using it up just to get get the thing done so so yeah that's kind of a, a, an overview I guess of where the production is at the moment but um, yeah so, it's coming along. So hopefully maybe a 2019 release sometime? Uh, yeah yeah hopefully I mean when I ran the Kickstarter I kind of said um, February slash March 2019 and I think we can still stick to that um, it's just we'll be shooting it in smaller chunks and editing it as we go rather mm-hmm. than sort of shoot it all up the front and then spending longer editing it so so yeah hopefully like February March next year um, wow. yeah it was done so well, it'll be here before uh, before you know it yeah, no, it will yeah. definitely. Time flies, whether you're having fun or not. I've noticed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, while you were fundraising uh, for for this film, 
uh, you you didn't you didn't meet the the goal right, but then you had a generous donor swoop in and, and provide right. the rest of the funding. So uh, before that generous donor came in, uh, was there were were you trying to decide what to cut, what needed to be cut, what what was going to happen instead? Um, kind of. I wasn't really, to be honest, because we'd we'd written the story, and sure, you know, we, we continued to refine the fine details of the script, but we knew what the story was and and what sets we needed, and kind of, I mean, we tried to write them from the ground up as producible. You know, we don't ever really say, well, let's just write whatever we feel, and then we can simplify it back because it's just crushing you know so and and kind of pointless it's like well you're just wasting your own time deliberately knowing you can't do this so so we we, we wrote it lean um you know we wrote it to reuse our shuttle pod set you know we, we still had that and needed a little bit of work to get it camera ready but yeah it was basically we had that already and um so so we wrote it to be as lean as possible and so if we hadn't got the funding that we needed which was you know the correct amount of funding you know we kind of sat down and came up with you know i think we need this much you know more would be nice but we can do it for this any less and and a struggle and so really there i mean i don't know what i would have done had we not got the funding but i don't honestly think i would that there's not enough fat on it to just simplify it more it would have just been like not a good film if we if we stripped the fat out because Mm -hmm. it's just it was already lean you know um So it didn't really have a plan. At that point, you just sort of think, well, it's only two two more weeks. Let's just let's just keep going with the fundraising and you know, and hope that you know, it gets a, a final like blast at the end or something. Um, which I guess, in a way, it did of a sort. Um, but yeah, I, I I would had had we not got funded, I would have just I don't know sat around and sulked for a month or two probably, and then and then uh, and then kind of just. I don't know what I'd, what we'd have done. Probably just made a, a, another film that only cost like a grand and just paid mm-hmm. for it ourselves. But um, yeah, well, there wasn't. Yeah, not... uh, for, fortunately, a generous donor came in and gave the rest of the money, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you have any plans for a third film? Um, no, not really. Um, no, I don't think I've got the headspace for that. To be honest, yeah. um, I think. Like we, you know, we'll we'll make this one, and we'll we'll I'm sure we'll do a good job on it. You know, I feel really happy about it. I think mm-hmm. for the stage we're at, it's going very smoothly. I think the cast members we've already got are, are great. I'm really happy with. I think they'll do really well. Um, and yeah, so I think this one this one's taking up all my sort of mental energy. Um, and yeah, there's no plans to do to do anything really after this one. Um, I'm, I'm sure we will. I think I said the same after Chance Encounter, but, you know, inevitably after a little gap, the uh, the itch will come back and we'll want to do another one. But for now, just, you know, all, all attention on this one. Yeah, that's, that's completely understandable. Mm. Uh, uh, Bill, do you have any questions? Uh, I think that just, well, one more, one more. Um, Holy core, since you're going to be touching on issues of religion and science and you're not uh, taking sides, are you prepared for the inevitable backlash as people on both sides get mad at you for not beating up the other guy? 
Um, I hadn't thought about it really, to be honest. Uh, not really. I don't think, to be honest, I think it's not it's not really framed in that way. I think it's probably more of a qualifier that I put in because you're describing a film you're going to make and you say it's got religion and science in it. Um, it we're so used to that dichotomy that we we kind of think we know what it is, but I think the way the film will present it, it won't really it won't really uh, position it as something that you should take a side on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just different people having different views and the film itself doesn't really make a judgment. Um, there's a, there's an episode of Voyager called, I think it's called sacred ground. Um, it's, it's a sort of earlier one, third season, maybe, um, where Kess gets looking around some caves. It's always caves. And she gets, um, she gets pulled into some religious temple thing. And Janeway has to go through all these rituals to, to like unlock her. And, it's it's a kind of understated episode. I'd, I'd forgotten about it until it just happened to come up on a rewatch. Um, and I'm not saying it's a particularly great episode, but it's it, it's interesting in that it has a similar kind of it's in a similar area of the ballpark that that we're hoping to do. In that 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 yeah, at the end she she she, she Janeway obviously being who she is, she goes into it very um uh very. So she's sort of poo-pooing this whole idea of a ritual and she's very scientifically based and then of course she kind of gets gets all her preconceptions turned on her head and she almost does have a spiritual experience but then of course right at the very end the doctor kind of is able to explain it all with science and some crazy particles and, and she's kind of disappointed yeah um, I remember that one yeah and it's it's yeah. a kind of it's like I say it's not a particularly like standout episode or anything but it's just in a similar similar sort of area to, to this film mm-hmm. but we've got other ingredients in our film as well it's not solely restricted to, mm-hmm. to you know concepts well with, with, with the title holy core you know holy's right there in the title so i figured that might be uh yes yeah <laughs> no a good assumption to have made yeah <laughs> well bill do you want to move on to your lightning round yes i do are you ready okay yeah all right. Uh, Riker's beard or Spock's beard? Riker's beard. All right. Uh, don't laugh. That's a valid lightning round question. <laughs> Sorry. All right. In Chance Encounter, a guy goes back in time to make sure his love life goes on the right track. If you could go back in time and prevent a Star Trek character from having a romantic encounter, who's, which couple would you break up? Uh, um, probably, um, oh, geez, who would the... Uh, Paris and Torres, they never suited each other, I didn't think. <laughs> uh, Holy Core re- touches on religion of all the godlike aliens. Which one do you think would be the most decent to be the one to worship and rule over your planet as a god? <laughs> uh, well, let's just say uh, Val. <laughs> it was really? Val, right? Yeah, yeah the, the, the snake computer was Val. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, wouldn't go, go for, for Apollo. One. You're not a toga guy. No, well, he, yeah, he's yeah. I like the alien ones. Yeah. Okay. All I right. guess he was an alien. Who knows? Right. It starts to blur together, doesn't it? <laughs> if you were to do a over-the-top Michael Bay special effects spectacular Star Trek fan film, what would you blow up, and how would you blow it up? Uh, well, the universe, I guess, or at least the galaxy. Um, and I would have six galaxies crush into R1. Um, some gravity pulls other galaxies in at an accelerated speed, of course. 
and boom. And only one ship can stop it all, yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, okay. And last question, just for fun of it, even though it's a Star Trek podcast, you have done a couple of other films. Uh, which one of your other films would you like to give a quick plug to to tell people to check out? Uh, why don't they check out A Far Cry um, which I believe then became a computer game, but we we had that first. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, that's how old it is. And that was your uh, World War Two film. That's or? right. Yeah, yeah. Look at me. I did my homework. Yeah, <laughs> nice one, man. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't say Holy Core correctly, but hey, I got that one right. <laughs> All right, that was the lightning round. All right, nice well, one. Then uh, it's uh, time to revisit the question of the week. Oh yeah. Uh, the question was, which member of the Voyager crew was sponsored into the Academy by Captain Sulu? Was it Janeway, Tuvok, Torres, or Chakotay? Well, I can only assume it was Tuvok. Bill, what do you think? I'm going to say the same thing because none of the rest of them were alive back then. Assuming we're not talking some other Sulu like Demora Sulu and blah, blah. But, uh, I, yeah. Well, according to Memory Alpha... It's Chakotay. Ah, man. Sponsored Chakotay into the Academy. Uh, how about the, this bonus question? Uh, who served under Sulu? Well, that was Tuvok. That was Tuvok, yeah. Yeah, yep, and that, yeah, that is Tuvok. So there you go. Question wow. of the wink. See, that's more, uh, more, more perhaps unnecessary tying everything together. Did Chakotay really need to be with yeah. Sulu? Yeah, that's... <laughs> At least it was off screen, I'm sure, or whatever. Yeah. Or just an offhand mention. And... It wasn't a big plot point. <laughs> Did they at least say it was Admiral Sulu when Chakotay was sponsored? Because I'm going to be kind of ticked if if Sulu stayed a uh, a captain yeah. for 40 years. <laughs> I, I don't think it necessarily specifies, but they probably said captain. Right, yeah, perhaps yeah, they that's did. That's just horrifying. He was a captain for 60 or 70 years. That's just, you know what that is? <laughs> Star Trek is racist against Asians. <laughs> Sulu never got promoted past Captain. Harry Kim never got promoted past Ensign. That's true. That's true. <laughs> i tell you what. What is it with Chakotay? Why, why is it that he's also best friends with Boothby? Oh, yeah. Are we just, like, again, I mean, Star Trek's not too bad at it in the shows because it's such a broad thing with so many characters, but really... I, th- I think they just wanted to bring that actor back, and they said, let's just make... He's Picard's mentor, and he's Jakoto's mentor, and I, I don't know. It kind of he's, really he's he's everybody's mentor. Yeah, he's, I guess he was. He's he's the groundskeeper, which means he's got, like, six degrees in philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's pretty much the official mentor of every student at the academy, and they all have their own Boothby stories. That's right, and he's a boxing coach as well. And that's all the time we have today, boys and girls. This has been The Final Frontier, a Trexphere podcast. Special thanks to our host, uh, director of uh, two Star Trek fan films, Gary O'Brien. Thank you very much. Thank you. Check out Chance Encounter, currently on YouTube. Holy Core, coming soon. Uh, Chance Encounter, anywhere else? Any kind of iTunes, Google, whatever? Uh, no, it's just YouTube. You can find it through StarTrekShortFilm.com. Oh, okay, right. there you go. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll try to throw a link into uh, Chance Encounter at the bottom of this video. Perfect. Like and follow us on Facebook. Uh, check us out in the iTunes store on Google Play and uh, YouTube. Anywhere else? Are we anywhere else? No, nah, that's it. Okay. 
Well, we're everywhere. We're always there because we're in your hearts, folks, and we know you take us with you wherever you go. 